0: start us out yes please <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey you guys we're so glad to be back um we had a productive hiatus but we are super excited to be back with you guys now um uh, if you aren't
0: we're back on our bullshit <laughs> we are
1: we're just we're just here we're gonna bitch about the bible mm-hmm. and we're gonna talk about some religious topics from a feminist and comedic perspective i'm here with laura barclay a Baptist minister currently residing in Louisville, Kentucky.
0: Yeah, home of horses and bourbon and even more bourbon. And I have the honor of sitting here digitally with a one Sarah Hoff, an agnostic based in California. Today we are talking about the one St. Patrick, uh, because when this episode is released, it will be just before or just after St. Patrick's Day and that is a very popular holiday here in the states stateside we like to turn everything green and become insane drunkards but uh we're diving a little bit deeper into the legend insane, <laughs> today.
1: insane drunkards i'm like that's just a tuesday for me <laughs> that I'm from.
0: is that the name of your punk band insane drunkards sarah <laughs>
1: <laughs> the name of my funk fan is That's Just a Tuesday for me.
0: That's Just a Tuesday. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm going to be arguing. Well, not arguing. We're not going to argue. We're going to have a friendly, railsing discussion. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'm kind of planning on stating that the historical figure of St. Patrick, yes, he was a real dude, um, is worth studying for cultural and religious reasons. But that the legend of him, there's a lot of legendary stories, probably most of everything you know about Patrick is kind of the legend that was added on after he really lived. Um, That's also important, but for different reasons. It tells us about the psychological and the religious framework of medieval Irish Christians, which I think has historic uh, significance. Yeah,
1: and um, the thing about St. Patrick is that he's not a super controversial figure. And so I'm going to agree with Laura on all of those things. All and, right. Um, I'm going to give you guys some history, and I will be contributing uh, bad jokes and uh, probably no, just bad jokes, like progressively worse as I <laughs> go through.
0: Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Let's uh. Let's do this. Let's blow off some steam by talking about some history.
1: So a little bit about the historical Patrick, he um, or like the man behind the legend, while. While it's impossible to note when Patrick was born, the Encyclopedia Britannica, nerd alert, notes that all <laughs> signs point to the latter half of the 5th century CE. They also note that in one of his surviving writings, the Coroticus letter, the Coroticus letter?
0: <laughs> Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Coroticus?
1: Coroticus? That's going to be my death metal band name. Um, oh,
0: I like it. Right? <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> In the Corotacus letter, he still talks about the Franks as still heathen. The Franks were just like another population at the time. And so, like, the importance of this is that the Franks cross over into Gaul around this time, so you can sort of date when it was written. Um, so it should have been somewhere between 451 and 496, 5th century CE. And then they were baptized in mass, as we all are from time to time.
0: So apparently getting baptized in mass means you're no longer heathens anymore.
1: Yeah. Patrick, by the way, speaks of, speaks of himself as having evangelized heathen Ireland. Um, but this is not to be confused with Palladius, who was sent by Pope Celestine I in 431 CE as the first bishop to the Irish believers in Christ. Where were they? In Gaul? The first bishop in Gaul? Uh,
0: no, he, he's, he actually is the first bishop in Ireland.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the problem here is, yeah, is that there's multiple people named Patrick, and Palladius sometimes gets, or Palladius sometimes gets mixed up because he's at times called Patrick, so we're, we have to differentiate. Yes. Yeah. If, if some of our listeners are, like, super in history and knows about Palladius, then they might be like, which one are you talking about? And so... Um, most of our listeners are probably like, I don't give a fuck, and that's fine. And I didn't either. So <laughs> we're we're inserting that for, for some of you who might wonder. Um but anyway actually, so-
1: actually I thought that honestly, I thought that part was really interesting that there were I thought there were two separate patricks that were like that this myth of the Saint Patrick was attributed to these two separate ones. I thought that was kinda interesting.
0: Yeah, it is really interesting because it's part of it is trying to like tease out who's who and what's going on. A little bit of a history mystery, which is always kind of kind of interesting. Um, so uh, we also know, according to Patrick's work, which is, so this is kind of cool because he's actually got some surviving work that, that made it through the centuries. And the one called Confessio talks about him growing up somewhere in Western Brit- Britannia, possibly Scotland or Wales. And his father was Calpornius, um a deacon and his paternal grandfather um was potitus a priest uh a lot of these names i if y'all if we got any people who were like preggers or getting ready to adopt just consider Calpornius and potitus as potential names for your offspring and carotic caroticus yeah whatever um and palladius these are great y'all yeah, yeah wanna, your kid uh, would definitely
1: wanna... not get beat up on the playground.
0: Exactly, I really wanted to inspire some really uh, metal metal babies. Yeah. So his dad's a deacon, and his paternal grandfather's a priest, um, and they live in a place uh, called Bannavern Talbranay, which, as of this recording, is completely an unknown location. No one knows what that means now, um, but possibly in southwest Scotland or northwest Wales. Um, so he actually wasn't born in Ireland, um, not not Irish at birth. But when he was sixteen. So he's happy, he's going along, he's doing his thing. He's 16 years old. And then he's taken prisoner and brought to Ireland as a slave with thousands of others. And so then he has to uh, tend sheep in his work as a slave. And he seemed to view this as some sort of punishment for violating God's commandments, according to his writing. They seem to be kind of like pirates that took him, too. Like Irish pirates or something.
1: So he's enslaved. He notes after a dream where he heard God say, you have fasted well, very soon you'll return to your native country. Look, your ship is ready. Also, I would like to, th- I, would, I, I wonder about this fasting because as a, uh, as one of thousands of what are now prisoners and presumably enslaved, yeah, slaves, um, mm-hmm. is the fasting self-imposed? Maybe he gets a bowl of gruel every other day
0: right i you know i like to think of this as him doing a just a real positive reframe on a really shitty situation he's like <laughs> i'll just call this instead of starving i'm fasting that's yeah. it yeah I'm fasting.
1: his his dream where his dream where he heard god say this is really just like a hunger-induced hallucination very likely <laughs> very likely anyways he runs away after six years of slavery and sails back home which p.s is that something that was always an option
0: you know well i Presume I don't. I don't know anything about Irish slavery uh, back in the day, but I I would I would wonder. Um, of course, I know far more about slavery in the United States, so our our context is going to be a little bit different. But I would imagine that they don't just like that. There's no consequence for being caught running away. Yeah, you know. I, I would so. imagine that that's a scary situation that took a lot of contemplation. As what is you know, he had to be weighing his options, but he probably was pretty homesick and also terrified. And so I have a lot of empathy for him in this situation. I was reading this and being like, oh shit, like this is, he's like really in it. Like this is, he was going through some things.
1: Anyways, he is running away. He gets on the ship. He has this strange interaction with the ship captain. He, um, he tells us in Confessio, they began to say to me, come, we'll trust you. Prove you're our friend in any way you wish. And he says, that day I refused to suck their breath because of my reverence for God. They were pagans, and I hoped they might come to faith in Jesus Christ. This is how I got to go with them, and we set sail right away.
0: I mean, I'm with Patrick on this, and it's not because I'm so pious. I just don't want to suck a dude's bubes to get on a ship. I mean, I have to wonder if this was really a pagan practice or just, like, a, a weird kink of this captain's. Like, no shame on his part, but, uh... Don't make somebody do it if they're trying to escape from slavery. Like what?
1: If if I ever like rage quit a job, I'm definitely definitely gonna be like, I'm no longer sucking your breasts. You know how <laughs> that'll be. HR will get that. Gone. Would be
0: amazing. <laughs> that would be. I, I'm gonna need you to somehow record that. <laughs> quit,
1: <laughs> quit jamming your breasts into my face. Anyways. <laughs>
0: I'm not gonna suck your teeth
1: any longer <laughs> no, they I will no longer suckle at the teats of this corporation <laughs> <laughs> anyway so he travels for a few years he makes his way back to his parents house to his parents parents how are his parents not enslaved
0: uh i think i get the impression that he was out like tending some things like tending to his own farm like at his parents place when he was taken and so. Unfortunately, his father wasn't Liam Neeson. <laughs>
1: uh, I have a particular set of skills.
0: Right, his father did not have a particular set of skills, <laughs> um, and so he gets back to his parents' land in Britannia, and yeah, back to non-Liam Neeson's dad, aka Calpurnius, back in Britannia. So he's in back in Western Scotland or Western or somewhere in Wales. We don't we don't really know. Okay. <laughs>
1: He's back in Britannica, and um, but then that night he has a vision of the Irish people saying, "We beg you, holy boy, to come and walk among us again." I don't know why I said that like I was a vampire, but there we (laughs) are. Really, I didn't.
0: didn't, Is that your vampire voice?
1: We come and (laughs) welcome. I don't know. It's like an Italian. It's like a stereotypical (laughs) Italian vampire. Come and walk with
0: me in the darkness.
1: I've really gotta work on my voices.
0: <laughs> I find them delightful. <laughs> By the way, if I ask you, if I say this to you, would you move to Louisville? I beg you, holy gal, come and walk with me.
1: <laughs> and that was the day that I stopped contact with Laura Barclay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's because I just the
1: Italian vampire voice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to Ireland. His narrative jumps around a little bit, but he talks about baptizing women and how their fathers don't like that. Oh, that's really, that was really the deal. I was just making a joke. But he talks about baptizing women and how their fathers don't like that um, because they want to remain virgins.
0: Yeah, so like the gals. Okay, so on the front end, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is really funny because, like, on the front end I read this and I think, uh, he's just, he, is he just, is he just skinny dipping with ladies? Like,
1: <laughs> You know, he just wants to get them wet so he can see, like, a nice outline of their boobs.
0: <laughs> yes. Go swimming, yeah. What it seems like, according to his narrative, is that he's going around and talking to people, and a lot of his followers happen to be women. And they're kind of being forced into marriages by their fathers. And I think that they don't like that, because they're, you know, nobody nobody wants a forced marriage. Nobody wants to be forced into marriage and forced to, uh, you know, have sex with some dudes you don't like. And they hear that there's an option... To just get dunked in water and join this other religion where they can they have the option to be virgins. And they're like, yeah, cool. I can get out of this marriage. I'm going to follow this dude around. I'm going to dunk myself in some water and follow this dude around, you know? I would totally be following Patrick. I'd be like, I'm with you, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm following you. I'm not wearing that, marrying that weirdo.
1: Like, literally uh, the first step to his deal is, like, cleanliness. It's like, go get in that river. Wash your yeah. damn shit. Well,
0: yeah, yeah yeah, follow me. And they're like, yeah, I I like hiking. I like not marrying an old guy. Like, that's really creepy. Did you just
1: read off my Tinder profile? (laughs) (laughs) That's how I get the dudes.
0: (laughs) I like hiking. And dunking myself in water. (laughs) Oh God, please change your Tinder profile to this. (laughs) Um, So, um, not only did these women enjoy getting out of having to get married at a young age to creepy old guys, he also really had an affinity for them. So, Patrick, yes, Patrick really liked all the ladies following him around. (laughs) He looked real popular rolling into every village. Um, So Patrick uh, and his followers did end up in prison at times because local leaders would be suspicious of his motives, right? You know, he was frequently going into these villages, had women following him around. People didn't know what he was doing. What are you doing? What are you doing, buddy, right? Um, he was also frequently homesick for his parents, and he wished to go home, but he felt he needed to stay on this mission. Um, he views himself, kind of, you can tell from his writings, as an unlearned refugee that became an ambassador to Ireland due to God communicating with him. So he kind of felt, "Hey, I'm I'm just this kind of poor refugee dude, but God wants me here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with it." Um, so he's fairly humble in his writings. He also refers to himself as a bishop, and he played a major part in converting the Irish to Christianity. So he's, as much as he's kind of humble bragging, he's he's kind of a big deal. He's just calling it what it is.
1: Um, you probably have noticed that there are zero mentions of shamrocks, snakes, duels with druids, smashing idols, or cursing of any kind.
0: Or green beer.
1: Or green beer. That's the, <laughs> that's, that's the travity, travesty of it all more <laughs> the tragedy. <laughs> the travity it's a really crumulent word um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways basically anything you know about St. Patrick if you knew anything at all other than pinching people and drinking beer is not part of his own writing but grew out of his legend later on
0: that makes him like way more endearing to me because if his if he was just writing about pinching people and drinking green beer I'd be like you're just a frat bro <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so clearly we've moved on into the legendary territory. So, uh, let's talk about Patrick the Legend. All right, so this is kind of him as Saint. Um, so stuff got added on later. According to, uh, an article titled, 10 Things to Know About the Real Saint Patrick by Thad Jazz Dowich. maybe? I'm gonna butcher that. I'm gonna say maybe it's Thad Jazz Dowich. I'm gonna call you Thad just so as to not, uh, fuck with your last name anymore, because I don't want to offend you. Uh, Bad, you wrote a great article, thank you, Bad, in The Conversation on March 12, 2018. And two centuries after his death, Irish Christians spiced up Patrick's bio with apocryphal stories. One legend, written around 700 AD, described Patrick's contest with native religious leaders, the Druids. Apparently, the Druids insulted Patrick, attempted to poison him and challenged him in magical duels to change the weather, destroy each other's sacred books and survive wildfires. When one Druid dared to blaspheme the Christian God, however, Patrick sent the Druid flying into the air and the man dropped to the ground and broke his skull.
1: If there was ever a Harry Potter reference, it's right now.
0: If dueling and Harry Potter were more metal in Irish, it would be this. <laughs> it
1: totally would. So anyways, another legend, according to scholar, Carrie Shadburn at Harvard is that St. Patrick had anything to do with a shamrock. She says that Patrick himself is associated with a shamrock because in one of the stories about meeting an old pagan King, he wants to explain the Holy Trinity and he plucks a shamrock, <laughs> plucks. Nobody says the word plucks. <laughs> he plucks it. He plucks a shamrock and holds it up and says, look at this shamrock three in one, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, if it had been a four-leaf clover, they could have included Mary in there. But Jesus Christ, patriarchy. Am I
0: right? The Anyways. patriarchy. I really pictured him saying that in the Italian vampire voice. I said, Look at this shamrock. It's a <laughs> 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 um, so, according to that same piece that Thad cited earlier, the whole shamrock thing was only first mentioned in writing in 1684 by an English visitor to Ireland who wrote that on St. Patrick's feast day, quote, the vulgar superstitiously wear shamroges, three leaved grass, which they likewise eat, they say, to cause sweet breath. The Englishman also noted that very few of the zealous are found sober at night.
1: So wait, can you eat shamrock?
0: I don't know. I guess maybe you can. I guess you could maybe chew on it. You could probably at least chew on it. if it's It's probably like a a weed that's in the mint family, I guess. Cause I've always well, seen them like, all I, over
1: would my guess, I would actually guess parsley because parsley is supposed to be a, um, you know, it's supposed to help with breath.
0: Yeah. I was thinking it, yeah, that's probably right. Because I was thinking of it more as like creeping Charlie, which is in the mint family, but I think you're right. I definitely think it's more of a parsley. So
1: uh, <clears throat> you may have seen a painting of St. Patrick kicking or crushing snakes underfoot <laughs> who hasn't. But guess what? There were no snakes at this point in Ireland, so this isn't historically possible. Are there snakes in Ireland now?
0: Well, probably. No, I think there are just because people get them as pets and then they release them.
1: And also, it's just good fun to take a snake over there and be like, I release a snake
0: in Ireland. Um, it's probably all Americans. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways...
1: There were no snakes in Ireland at this point. Um, So it was likely added for dramatic flair and Stuart James Felker. Stuart James Felker, the whitest white name that ever whited. In an article on St. Patrick and the Snakes, the forging of an ancient and modern myth on March 12th, 2017, says that the first appearance of anyone talking about snakes in relation to St. Patrick was Topography of Ireland, Topographia Hibernica. Yes, Hi- Hibernica, topia that totally sounds like
0: a text that you'd read in Harry Potter. It like
1: does. It a- sounds like a spell. Did I just cast a spell?
0: You did. Now you're a witch. That's
1: <laughs> <laughs> what I always wanted to be. Um, written by Gerald of Wales in the 1200s. Twelve hundreds. This is around seven or eight hundred years after Patrick lived. So basically to recap, any like mythology around Saint Patrick crushing snakes wasn't until like seven or eight hundred years later in this ancient weird, I don't know, topography of Ireland in the twelve hundreds.
0: Um and Faulkner says so it's possible that druids had tattoos of snakes and so the symbols got mixed up in translation. Right? Like he's smashing Gruids with, you know, these sort of spell dueling sessions um, instead of snakes. Um, but he finds that the most plausible theory is really that uh, the snake bashing theme was common in Greco-Roman stories. And that Christians remade this motif to infer beating Satan, who theologians came to see as the original snake in the Garden of
1: Eden. Anyways, according to Kate Shadburn, the scholar that I referenced earlier... She talks about St. Patrick being crabby in a saint persona. So according to her, he wakes up one morning and says to a young lad who is traveling around the country with him, I just need to do some curses today. Totally been there, St. Patrick. (laughs) Promise. There have been some days when I've woken up and I'm like, I just need to do some curses today. Anyways, (laughs) he he looks over and sees this group of people. And he's like, I'm going to curse those people. The lad's like, please don't. Don't do that. And he begins to pray, but Patrick's like, fuck you. And just let the curses fly right at the people. This young lad, because he prayed, the power of God turned to decide it being the curses. And it went on to the rushes that grew alongside the river. So the earth got it? We saved some people at the sake of the earth? Is that,
0: yeah. Is
1: that? a, a usual. <laughs> So he does this three times and finally the the little boy prays again and he says, oh please God, save these poor people. It flies aside, the curse that is. And the curse went into the water that someone was using to boil eggs for breakfast.
0: <laughs> right, so the curse goes into the water that someone is using to boil eggs for breakfast. Like, if you wondered how eggs were boiled, yeah. it's with the curse of St. Patrick. Those
1: were the angriest Sorry. eggs ever.
0: It's the weirdest story. It is the really weirdest. It's just, that's just,
1: that doesn't even make sense. Did it make the water boil faster?
0: I, yeah, I don't know. I, I have so many questions about this story.
1: I feel like we need some context. So we would be remiss <laughs> if we did not cover the celebration, which is just St. Patrick's Day. So we got to talk about St. Patrick's Day. But we also definitely need to talk about how Americans celebrate it versus the Irish. And St. Patrick's Day, as I think everyone knows, is the feast day in the Catholic Church calendar on March 17th, the day of his supposed death.
0: And not surprisingly, Americans uh, use it as an excuse to get mind-numbingly drunk on green-dyed beer and sexually harass one another with pinching if we don't wear green. Uh, So if you live outside the United States and wonder... What happens on March seventeenth? It's that stay away. Uh, most don't really understand the origins of the holiday or understand why they are even doing it. So it's kind of just dumb. And do do better, America.
1: Just do well, better. you know, I mean, like we can keep the green dyed beer, sure. and maybe just let's, verbally harass if you don't wear green. Not not sexually. Don't yeah, pinch. Like, just verbally don't pinch, accost. Don't
0: touch each other. Yeah. Or ask permission. May I pinch you? No. <laughs> no, you may not.
1: Laura, that takes all the fun out of it. The whole, the, whole, the whole fun is the look of fear in the other person's eye.
0: <laughs> the look of fear, am I going to get, yeah, every year I feel like, okay, I've got to put green on. I'm going to make sure I'm wearing green so that I don't get uh, non-consensually pinched by some <laughs>
1: froze. That's I just wear all black on those days because I'm so like longing for human interaction. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> that's such a fucked thing to say. <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> um, meanwhile, across the pond, the Irish do have parades. They get off of work during the day as it's a national <laughs> like, celebration. And, you know, if they wear green, they eat traditional Irish food, like corned beef, um, <laughs> and celebrate it as a family, uh, listen and dance to traditional Irish music, and yes, have a lot of Guinness. All the Guinness.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. Also, okay, so I found this abstract from the Journal on Psychoactive Drugs by Hensley Irons and Vaughn Miller, published uh, online in March of 2016. And they state from their study that results indicated that participants, which were, the participants were college students, reported greater intent to consume um, expectation of pure consumption and actual alcohol consumption during St. Patrick's Day as compared to spring break.
1: Dude, no fucking shit. Spring break is a week and St. Patrick's Day is a night. Like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, first of all, just think of the cost effect analysis for example anybody can go out on st patrick's day you know it's going to be cheap cheap beer and it's not going to cost you a lot going somewhere for spring break like that's that's going to cost you some money it might not cost a lot because you can do things cheap but that's going to be at least five hundred dollars for sure yeah that's and that's like yeah. probably not even and that's probably just like hotel and travel that's not even including all the other things. So I don't think that that's a fair analysis, like a fair comparison.
0: Interesting. Okay. I'm just all saying. Right. I don't know why I got
1: so, like, so boxy about that. Would, like, to
0: Here's the <laughs> thing.
1: Here is the thing. Um, so in the Journal of Social History, there's an article called St. Patrick's Day and Formation of Irish-American Identity, 1845 to 1875, by Kenneth Moss of Rutgers, published in October of 1995. And, if I haven't lost you from that title alone, it seems <laughs> to suggest from the first page. Because we're too cheap to read the full article. Of course we are. You had
0: to pay for it. You had to pay for it. You and know, I was like, I'm just going to clean all I can. This is,
1: this is what people donate to our Patreon. So actually, this is just a sidebar. I hear tell from Reddit. That um, none of that money goes to the author. So if you email the author directly, they might send you the article.
0: Ooh, good to know. Yeah. Hot tip, y'all! If you all j- are just like trolling around on JSTOR and you want some articles,
1: that's a good. That's a good website.
0: <laughs> it is. I know you and me, <laughs> but like I don't know. I might be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyways. Anyways, okay. Saint Patrick's Day was aiding in the idea of integrating Irish into Americans' identity. I actually did read that in other articles, that like St. Patrick's Day actually started in America.
0: It seems like it was celebrated just as a feast day, you know, there. Yeah,
1: my Uh, understanding is that it started as like a as like basically a group of people, like a group of dudes got together to celebrate, and then it kind of made its way back over to Ireland and it became like a uh, celebration in the elite class and then (laughs) sort of there was this kind of like I don't know symbiotic relationship where it like became popular over there so it became more popular over here so it became more popular over there kind of thing until it became Mm -hmm. like so like they had parades like but it was more somber it was more of a day of like acknowledging you know there was mass and there were there was like like a military parade, but nothing, nothing at all that was like, it was not a drink, like pubs closed that day. And now.
0: Well, right. And probably also too, that there's this kind of, it's definitely tied to nationalism in, in Ireland yeah, too. Right. Yeah. Because the color green for them is, you know, it's part of their flag. And so it's, you know, I think there's a lot of feelings in Ireland of, you know, feeling some type of way about Britain. As it were. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely this feeling of kind of colonial powers over them, similarly to how Scotland feels about it. So um, it's a a day to sort of celebrate, you know, their own history, apart from being a part of the UK.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Archbishop John Hughes, in 1853, addressed an audience and drew parallels between St. Patrick making Ireland a Christian nation and how America is also a Christian nation and Irish militia helped defend America. Just a pretty interesting sort of like Venn diagram, if you will.
0: Right. Um, And I've seen a lot of discussion about how Irish were treated very poorly upon entry into the U.S., um, but became the uh, American definition of white, i.e. white Anglo-Saxon Protestant um, or or Catholic as Catholics became more integrated in ways that immigrants from other nations and continents could not because they could pass as the uh, United States definition of white. Um, so, you know, kind of cease current treatment of Hispanics in the United States, right? Yeah. Um, it's interesting that St. Patrick's Day could have aided in that integration of Irish becoming white or, or assimilation into American identity.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I I knew going sort of into this after reading some articles and all those kinds of things that there wasn't going to be a lot of controversial conversation here because He's an interesting character on the face. Also, his mythology is really interesting and has some, like, kind of interesting and I think possibly, like, very important roles that it's played in how America has come to accept and understand Irish identity.
0: Yeah, I I completely, 100% agree with that. I think think the role controversy here is more about, like, kind of leads us to the like the whole question about American identity, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the controversy here or the the tension is between Patrick the man and Patrick the myth, mm-hmm. And both are a hundred percent fascinating. I think the more we learn about Patrick, the man, we realize that he was, you know, someone who understood what it was like to be enslaved. Um, someone who had a real skin in the game about what it meant to be free. And the fact that that had an impact on breaking up, arranged marriages, and had some implications on religious freedom, I think says a lot about his character as a person. So I actually really like him as a person. By the end of this, I was like, Oh, man, like, you're you're pretty, you're pretty cool, dude. So I kind of have a real affinity for him at the end of this. Uh, Patrick, the saint just seems kind of like, he's, you know, he's fun. He's a lot of fun. You know, he's more, he's more of your kind of mythic, dude that's clearly had some myths recycled about him that has gotten pushed into his identity but he, i can see how he's kind of used as this nationalistic figure of let's womp some people over the head you mm-hmm. know with with our things and our and our duelings mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately it, in a lot of ways from what we see you know in saint Patrick's Day, it's the taco bell version right it's the ta- it's the watered down kind of bullshit version of how it's celebrated in in Ireland as a, a celebration of all things Irish. And and I think in the in the US we get the Taco Bell version of like, let's just get shit faced and drink green beer and and pinch people. And so it just kind of shows how disconnected we are from from the, the cultures that make up the United States.
1: Well and also I would say like that it also shows the like the like crazy impact that the United States has because even back then we were influencing the popularity of St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. and the way that St. Patrick's Day has evolved has evolved into something very American, I would say across the board. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so there is that sort of weird element of uh, colonialism there. Mm-hmm that i like honestly i don't really know what to do with i mean like i say that across the board because i i i see it when i travel to all kinds of places there's there is this western influence and there is a tension about this western influence and of course like ireland is in the west and so it's just i don't know it's just fraught it's just weird it's just so it's just so but fraught i think mean,
0: it's that you're noticing the tension Right. And I think we just have to notice this and talk about it and dissect it. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I want to know from our listeners, this is made me very, very curious. What I want to know from our listeners is what holidays, um, like what ethnicities are you and what what holidays do you celebrate, you know, from your cultures that maybe have been or have been either assimilated and bastardized by the United States or haven't been assimilated at all? Mm -hmm. Right? And that it's something that, you know, maybe the U.S. doesn't
1: even recognize. Um, (laughs) Our listeners (laughs) are like, I don't want to tell you because I would not like to popularize that and then make it a thing.
0: I'll DM you if you never tell anyone. (laughs) Don't let America corrupt this. Exactly. Understood. Understood. (laughs) Right. A (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent.
1: But yeah, I mean, like, I would love to hear... Uh, our listeners take or anybody's take on like you know what it is we've been talking about like their understanding of saint patrick's day even yeah how do you celebrate it yeah like even like your weird fun stories like i'd like to hear about a poor drunken choice you made like that's hilarious i've done i've been there i've been there
0: yeah we've all been there
1: we've all been there one hundred percent.
0: We're in the no judgment
1: zone. <laughs> no judgment. I yeah. could do not have a leg to stand on, judgment nope. wise.
0: <laughs> same Thames. <thief>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh slide into our DMs and tell us what's up.
1: Yeah, um, do it.
0: Or, or at us. And uh w- we also want to ask um, so so what we want to ask of you is you know, as we're starting off and we're super excited about our second season kickoff um we want you we need your help uh, we want you yes you to share us with your friends um if you could uh tweet us like your maybe maybe share your favorite episode with a friend post on facebook um but share us on social media let others know about us evangelize for Bible bitches we need to get the word out so that we can get uh, more subscribers and have more people sharing the fun
1: yeah, that would be really awesome, you guys. <laughs> so you guys you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher, as I hope you already know. Um, or you can contact us at, at Bible Bitches on Twitter, our Bible Bitches fan page on Facebook or our Gmail account, which is um, Bible Bitches, B-E-T-C-H-E-S at gmail.com.
0: You know Google likes to clutch their pearls.
1: <laughs> um,
0: we also want to give a shout-out thanks to Engaged Gays with a Z. Um, they are hosting our uh, podcast on their website and are just, in general, awesome people. You should read their content. It's fantabulous. Um, we also want to give a shout-out to at Erin Doodles, who does our artwork, um, which is so colorful and beautiful. And we also want to give a shout-out to at Yo Eves. Miss Eves has the best music, and she does our intro and outro uh, song, and has just the most wonderful music to listen to um, that will get your booty grinded. So, <laughs>
1: all right, you guys, we love you. Um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys had fun, and please, like, we want your feedback. We want to hear what you guys are saying. So, like, any anything?
0: Yeah, just ask us random shit. We'll, you know, see what we say. Yeah. <laughs> all Probably. right. We'll, see, we'll we'll catch you next time. It's okay guys